Welcome to the Man in the Mirror Bible Study Podcast. Today we are continuing our series looking at the book of James. And our topic today is the important subject of how we can trust God. Our speaker is Brett Clemmer, president of Man in the Mirror. Did you make sure that you have enough money? Yes. But if you're relying on that for your security, if you're relying on that for your confidence, then you've added something to God and you've become sort of a Christian agnostic in a way. You're like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that God will provide all my needs. I mean, I know the Bible says that, but just in case, and, and how do you know that that's a problem? Is that when you look at your 401k, you look at your retirement, you look at your investments and it's down, you get down. As if God doesn't own the cattle on a thousand hills. As if God won't supply every need that you have. As if God is not the giver of every good and perfect gift, which is what the passage that we're going to look at talks about today. So we're really talking about, when we talk about our doubt, I think a lot of times what we're talking about is that we, we you know, I think we all believe in God. I was talking to a family member this week and and they were telling me that uh, they don't really believe in God. But then as we talk, like, no, I, I, I believe in God. I just don't know who that God is. I don't really, I don't really, there's too much, there's too much bad stuff in the world for me to really put, put all my faith in that. Well, that's not doubting God's existence. That's doubting God's character. And so um, it's good for us to take some time once in a while and, and really look at what do we believe about God's character. So the passage that we're in today in James chapter one is really a continuation of what we talked about last time I was here, which was we talked about verses uh, 13 to 15, and we talked about uh, the nature of sin. And But this the, the verses 13 and 15 are in a larger context, really in a, in a little passage that James here is talking about the character of God. So in your Bibles, let's look at, we're going to look at, at uh, James 1, 13 to 18, and then we're going we're, we're focus most of our time on 16 to 18. But John, uh, John, James 1, 13 to 18 says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into this passage. Well, Father, we come to you this morning uh, wanting to hear from you, wanting to learn your truth, wanting to understand the scriptures. Lord, we come to you this morning weighed down by the burdens of the world, an economy that's frustrating and uncertain, um, a culture that um, has moved from um, at least believing in in your in in the values of the Bible, if not the truth of 
scripture now to even demeaning those values and discrediting them and and um we don't we don't know what to do sometimes and so lord i pray that you would help us this morning realize that the way we deal with this doubt and uncertainty and difficulty and in life is not to change what we think about you, but to look at those circumstances through the lens of what your word teaches us about you and your character. So Lord, would you, would you deepen our faith this morning? Would you um, solidify our confidence in who you are and in what you do that we might go out as your first fruits, that we might go out as your people to shine a light into a very, very dark world? So teach us this morning, we pray through the power of your spirit. Amen. All right, so so last time we did talk about um, sin. So let me let me just remind you uh, in the first part of this passage, verses fourteen and fifteen, talk about uh, each person is tempted when he's enticed, lured, enticed by his own desire. Desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so we just this is I I don't I want you to remember this is a fishing analogy. James is using fishing language here. Um, and, uh, you know, you can imagine each person's tempted when he's lured, right? So, so the world, the flesh, the devil drops a lure in the water, but that lure looks attractive because you're enticed by your own desire. So that lure is something that is attractive to you. Like for the fish, it looks like a, a, a tasty worm or a, a littler fish that he would like to eat. For us, it looks like naked women or, or, or a vice of some kind that looks very attractive to us, money or power or, or, or whatever. And, uh, and, we, and we, we look at it and we swim around it. And then desire, it, when it's conceived, it says like, we go, all right, I, I could do that. Bang, we hit the, we hit the lure, right? And the, 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 sin, the hook of, the, of sin sets in and pulls you tight and yanks you in, and then ultimately, if you don't repent of that, that sin activity leads to death, separation from God. And you know, you could, we could, uh, uh, I love talk. honestly, I love talking about sin, because when you understand sin, it explains like 90% of your life, right? Explains kind of how the world works and everyone around you. You could see this in, you know, with Eve in the garden, Satan just dangled that lure out there and then set the hook. And, um, and so this is, this rings very true. So this idea though, of, of where sin comes from is planted in the middle of this passage because he's, he starts the passage really reminding us about God's character. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. This is our outline for today. First of all, we're going to talk about what God is not, what God is not. Then we're going to talk about what God is. And then we're going to talk about looking at the world through the lens of God's character. So what God is not is where we're going to start. Um, and let's look at this passage, uh, the first part of this passage again. James says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. God cannot be tempted why can't God be tempted? Well, for a couple reasons. One, there's nothing like you're, you have to be tempted by something outside of yourself that can show you something that's more attractive than what you have. Like a temptation 
We talked about last time we talked about the difference between a temptation and a test. Like a test, the goal of a test is to help you grow and improve and and um, uh, increase your faith. A, a temptation is designed to to hurt you, to tear you down, to separate you from God. Well, God can't God can't um, uh, be tempted um, because He's good. Like there's nothing bigger than Him that's ever going to put something in front of God that's going to make Him think, "Oh, well, I should I should change my character. I should change." my behavior. I mean, it's ridiculous at its core. And James is just sort of making this rational case. And therefore, since God is good, since God cannot be tempted, he's not going to tempt anyone because tempting someone is a sin. If you tempt someone to commit a sin, you are sinning. And God, by definition, does not sin. And so God cannot provoke someone to sin. God cannot be tempted to sin. But but let me but let me give you the ramifications of this. If you believe that God does tempt people to do wrong, then really what you're saying is there's this God who's created the rules, who's created the structure of the universe, and then he walks around tempting people to screw up. You know what that makes God? It makes God a bully. It makes him a trickster. And God is not a bully, and God is not a trickster. And if you uh, if you believe that that um, if you believe this about God, it's I mean, why follow that God? Just it just makes no sense, right? So will God correct us? Absolutely. Will He allow us to experience the consequences of our own bad decisions, our own bad behavior? Absolutely. Will He tempt you to sin against Him? Absolutely not, because God is not. It's it's not in God's character to cause you to sin that would make him himself a sinner it would make him evil and we don't we don't worship an evil god we worship a good god and that's the point that james is making today so if god is not a bully and god is not a trickster what is god so let's look at the second part of this passage uh, verses 16 to 18 do not be deceived my beloved brothers every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So let's start with this first verse. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. So he's, he's said at the beginning, God can't be tempted. He's not the author of temptation. So where does sin come from? Well, sin comes from the desires of our own heart, the, the uh, efforts of the world to tempt us, the efforts of the devil to tempt us, takes advantage of our desires, the, and, and we sin. But, it, but it's not God that does that. Jesus is making the point, it's not God that does that. And then he says this, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, like in the middle of this passage. Well, why would he say that? Because people were being deceived, Right. He's, so he's remi- he's reminding the 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 um, the Christians that he's speaking to, like, don't listen to those people around you. Have you heard people around you telling you how bad God is? Like, there's the, there's a there are lines, there are sort of lines of reasoning that that people out there are talking about. And now I want to I want to there's this whole conversation right now about deconstructing your faith. All right. Now, is deconstruction of your faith a bad thing? 
it depends on what you mean by deconstruction. So if you are critically looking at your faith and taking out of it, deconstructing the parts of it that are not biblical, that are cultural, that are frankly denominational, but they're not biblical, that's a good kind of deconstruction to do. But if you're looking at your faith and just questioning the foundations of how the world works, and if you're if you're going down one of these lines of reasoning that God is not a good God, God is not a perfect God, for instance, saying, well, God tempts people to sin. What kind of God is that? Well, you're right, but that's that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God we worship. And that's not good deconstruction because that that kind of deconstruction leads you to listen to your own thinking and the world's thinking more and more and more, and you don't realize you're listening to the devil's thinking. And so you listen to it more and more and more, and you're down a row. You know, so one of the lines I've heard is, you know, uh, God killed his own son to save his people. He's a cosmic child abuser. That's a, that's a lie. And let me tell you, well, let me tell you one of the worst things about it. It assumes that Jesus, first of all, it assumes Jesus isn't God. It assumes that Jesus had no power. It assumes that like Jesus got caught by surprise or subjected to something that he didn't do willingly. It takes away Jesus' agency. Jesus sacrificed his life as an atonement for your sins of his own free will, of his own decision. As God, he made a covenant within the Trinity before the dawn of time, the covenant of redemption, that God would create a people and he would redeem them. And Jesus took the role on willingly, intentionally, of being the, the, the atonement, paying the price that our redemption requires when, a, when, when God's created people decided to sin against him. He didn't, he didn't get conned into it. He didn't get tricked into it. He didn't get it imposed on him. He's God. He walked into it, eyes open, willingly, knew before the dawn of time he was going to do it. So these arguments that people have out there, they're, they're specious. They're worldly and they're, they're, they're fleshly in the, in the sense that it's just sort of our own best thinking. Don't get caught up in the world's arguments. Look at Scripture. Find the truth in Scripture, and then, inter- and then we need to interpret what the world is saying through, through that idea. So don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. So then, now he's talking about then, what is God's character? And he gives us four phrases that really help us understand who God is. So the first one is, is that he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. So if you look at Luke, Jesus said this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's the that's the best gift, right? That's a perfect gift that God that God the Father gives the gift of His Holy Spirit to us. God is the is the um, author of every good and perfect gift, the giver of every good and perfect gift. And if you look at Psalm thirty four ten, a more uh, uh, even um, even the psalmist wrote, "The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing." And there's, 
There's tons of scripture about this, about how God gives good gifts to his people, to those who fear him, to those who worship him, to those who follow him. God gives good gifts. You may be in a moment right now where it doesn't feel very good. All right, I, I, I get it. But the record of your life and the record of history and the record of scripture shows that God always gives good gifts, that he always comes and rec- rescues and redeems his people. And he is, the, he is the giver of good and perfect gifts. What does perfect mean? It means complete, everything you need, but it also means exactly what you need. And so we can trust that God will give us everything we need and exactly what we need when we need it. He, he is the source. The next phrase that uh, James uses is he calls him the father of lights. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's going to contrast it in the next statement with um, shadows. So when he says the father of lights, what he means is you, we're illuminated by the sun. We're illuminated by the moon. We can see the stars in the sky. God is, God is the father of all of that. His light, his illumination is perfect. And, and in the next phrase, we'll, we'll, he's going to talk about there's no shadows. Um, so if you look at 1 John 1, 5, it gives us an example of this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. So this refers, this. if you think about this, this goes back to God is not a tempter. He's not a deceiver. There is no darkness in God. And um, also that um, that his illumination gives us perfect understanding over time that there's not there's not there's not something that's going to be hidden from us paul talks about the mystery all the time the mystery the mystery the mystery we know the mystery the mystery is that jesus christ came and died for our sins and rose again that's the mystery and that's illuminated by the father of lights and then he goes on to say that he is that there is no shadow or turning uh, no, excuse me, no variation or shadow. No shadow returning to him. Everybody knows to him, great is thy faithfulness. There is no shadow of turning with thee. What does that mean? It means that God doesn't change. You might think, well, that, that doesn't sound good. Somebody that doesn't change. No, no, no. You don't, want, you don't want a God that changes. You want a God that's dependable. That is yes is always yes, as no is always no. He's not changing, the, he's not changing morals on you. He's not changing the rules on you. He's not changing his character on you. He doesn't get, he doesn't get, he doesn't lose his temper. That's a, that's not the God that we worship. Our God, there's no shadow. There's no variation. He is who he is. When, wh- why do they use the, why do they use the metaphor? Why does James use the metaphor of a shadow? Because if you think about it as if you have a light, like if you look, if you look at under a table, there's variations of light based on how the light gets there. And something can hide in the shadows, right? There's no shadows with God. There's no hiding. There's no hidden truth that's going to come and bite you in the butt someday that catches you by surprise. It's all here. He gave it all to us. Everything you need to know is in the scriptures. And there's no shadow. There's nothing hidden. All right? And then the fourth thing that he says uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, verses for this, uh, also Lamentations 3.22, uh, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
His mercies never come to an end. He's unchanging. All right. Finally, the creator and life giver. He says he brought us forth as a kind of first fruits. If you look at John 1, uh, 12 and 13, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed this is uh, John the Baptist talking now, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God is the creator. He is the life giver. He brought us forth of his own will, it says. So you're, So what is this talking about? Is this talking about like your birth? No, this is talking about your rebirth. This is talking about your, the regeneration of your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, that he gives you new life, that you are then converted to faith, that you are then um, um, uh, justified in God's sight, that you are then sanctified as you go on in your life and you grow in your faith and in your understanding and in your, and in your obedience to God's call. And then eventually he's coming back for us. And that, and then we'll see glory with him. He is a creator and a life giver. So here's the thing about these four, these four descriptions. These four descriptions are sort of counter arguments to what the world says about God. The world said that, that God is not the giver of every good and perfect gift, that he's, he's, he's capricious or, or he's uninvolved or he doesn't care, you know, or he, or he, or he doesn't have the power to do, you know, he's just sort of out there, there's some sort of mystical thing, but he doesn't actually intervene. But no, Paul says, no, he's the giver. I mean, James says he's the giver of every good and perfect gift today in our lives, every day. He's engaged with us. The father of lights, not the father of darkness. Not there's there's no there's no there's no nothing hidden about God. He's not he's not changing. He is who he is. And then he's not a bringer of death. He's a bringer of life. All of these things, I think, are lies that the world wants us to believe about God. And then the last thing he does say, I just want to explain this one thought here. At the end of the passage, he says, um, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of uh, truth, then that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. What does he mean by first fruits of his creatures? Well, first fruits is a referral back to Old Testament when you would have a harvest, the first fruits of the harvest, what would you do with that? You would give it back to God. Okay? So he's saying like, hey, we're, we've seen Jesus. The, James is the brother of Jesus, most likely. Okay? We've seen Jesus. We're the first fruits. And, and God is calling us then to, uh, as his portion, and then now the first fruits then, th that's the part that's offered to God. You are the first fruits too. He's not just talking about the people in this day. We are God's first fruits. And that means that our lives are to be offered up to God as well, to the, to the perfect gift giver, the father of lights, the unchanging God who's the creator and the life giver. So then this is our big idea then that our good God is the source of every good thing starting with our life in Christ. Our good God is the source of every good thing starting 
with our life in Christ. So this brings us to our last our last thought here, and that is that we need to look at the world through the lens of God's character, not look at God's character through the lens of the world. If you look at God through the lens of the world, you can you can all you're you're more than likely going to come up with a God that's a bully, with a God that is unloving, that's uninvolved, or that is capricious. But if you look at the world through the lens of God's character, and how do, how do you know, how do you find that lens of God's character? You, you look in Scripture. In the end, that's really the only place that you're going to find hopeful hopefulness. Is, is that you see that, that we live in a world that is fallen, right? Where, um, where people sin, but there is a good God who protects his people. Read Psalm 103, read Psalm 104, and just listen to David talk about how um, the Lord is good. The Lord protects his people and, and meditate on that. When you have doubts about God's goodness, when you have doubts about God's power, when you have doubts about God's um, engagement in the world, go read the Psalms and and you, especially the like 103 and 104, where you hear a man after God's own heart, who's, who's very imperfect, right? We know David was very imperfect, but man after God's own heart. And he records the record of what God has done to remind himself, but also to remind us of God's power and his love and his sovereignty. Our big idea again, our good father is the source of every good thing, starting with our life in Christ. So we've got uh, questions on your handouts that you guys can um, do your tables. And um, let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll have our discussion time. Well, Lord, we do thank you for your scripture. We thank you for um, what it teaches us about who you are, Lord, about what it teaches us about how to how to live in a, in a broken and lost and dying world and to be a light, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would help us to recognize that you are the source of every good and perfect gift, that when we need a gift, Lord, when we, when we need encouragement, when we need provision, when we need blessing, when we need healing, when we need help with our grief, when we need to mourn, that we would rush to the Father who gives us good and perfect gifts, that we would experience your life-giving nature, that we would follow you, Lord, that we would praise you and worship you, that we would build your kingdom and bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the Man in the Mirror Bible Study wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on our YouTube page. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and share the podcast with friends. Since 1986, Man in the Mirror has been teaching the Bible, helping us reflect deeply as men and apply God's truth to our lives. This Bible study is recorded in front of a live audience every Friday morning outside of Orlando, Florida. If you need help navigating your life or leading other men, please go to maninthemirror.org and check out our vast library of Bible study videos, blogs, and articles on Christian growth and leadership. There are plenty of resources you can use to grow in your faith and help others grow too. 
At maninthemirror.org, you will find books written just for men, helpful materials for your church's ministry to men, and even a potential career in men's discipleship. If you're a man personally struggling in life, or you need help in discipling men, please send us an email at biblestudy at maninthemirror.org and let us know how we can help.